Hey guys, welcome to Life in Perspective. I'm Brenda Palmer and I'm excited to be here with you today. Usually I'm here with some friends, but I figured I would take a minute to just share with you some lessons that I've been learning in this season and some things that God has really just been on my neck about, okay? That's really what's happening. Like the Lord in this season has been on my neck and I don't always like it, but I always learn from it. Um, so I figured I would share and let him get on your neck too. <laughs> um, I feel like in this season, God has really been highlighting things in my life that I have put above him. And I didn't really recognize it until um, I went to Atlanta and I hosted a Come Alive gathering, a pop-up in Atlanta. Now, if I give you a little bit of backstory on how I got there, I was going to Atlanta for a Black Voices Movement rally, um, and I decided to go into town a couple days early. So I was flying earlier that week from L.A. back to Chicago, and I felt like God was like, you need to do Come Alive Atlanta. And I'm all like, <laughs> who? I was like, yeah, Lord, in the summer. I got Come Alive planned for the summer. We're going to do pop-up in a whole bunch of cities. He's like, no, this week. And I'm like, whatever. I call myself like trying to get smart with the Lord. And I'm like, whatever. If you want Come Alive to happen, then you need to make it happen. Because this ain't in the budget, okay? As soon as the plane landed, I get a text from my dad who says, hey, I got a check here for you. Just a check in the mail. Just a little random check from an apartment that I had moved out of weeks ago. Okay, it just randomly decided to come this week. And so I said, well, I guess we're having come alive. So I fly to Atlanta. Things work out like sweatlessly, like God provided people and provision for the vision to move forward. Like it was crazy. Um, but I didn't recognize that the real reason I was there is because the Lord had some things he wanted to shine a light on me. You know, because sometimes we go through those seasons where we think we've gotten life figured out. And we feel like, you know, this Christian walk thing, I got a down pack. <clears throat> and then there's a moment where the Lord, you know, he hymns you up and be like, girl, you ain't even close. You know, this was that moment. And, um, you know, sometimes we need to be reminded that our stuff stinks sometimes. And I felt like God chose to use this weekend to let me know that. And so, you know, I was sitting on the couch waiting on uh, Come Alive to start because I was just in Atlanta and I didn't have any plans. So I'm just sitting. So I started scrolling on Instagram. And then I remembered that it was Oscar weekend. And um, you might not understand why that's important, but anybody who knows anything about entertainment or living in L.A., Oscar weekend is not the weekend you don't want to be in L.A. This <laughs> is like actually the weekend you should be there. And so in that moment, I had an attitude because I didn't understand why I was in Atlanta and not in L.A. And it's Oscar weekend. I am, you know, I'm trying to fulfill the call of God on my life to influence the culture for the kingdom of God. And I don't understand why I'm in Atlanta when life is popping off in L.A. So I started to get this internal attitude. OK, I had an internal attitude and I'm like you know, not saying anything, but the Lord can hear my heart. And he simply whispers, can I have that? And if I'm completely honest with you, my response was no. <laughs> I mean, I said it very like, no, you actually you can't. 
And he said, okay. He said, let's talk about it. Let's, let's really talk about it. Okay. So why are you upset? Um, well, I'm upset because it's Oscar weekend today, specifically that day. It is, uh, the, uh, essence black women Hollywood luncheon. I mean, they really did it up this year and I'm watching from Instagram and, um, I had an attitude about it. And he's like, why do you feel like you need to be in that room? I'm like, come on, God, it's your word. You said this about me. <laughs> it's like, we want to try to tell God, um, how his word should be unfolded. So I'm telling him, you know what he said, I'm reminding him of his word. And he says, so let's talk about establishing the kingdom of God. He said, what does that really mean? I'm like, you know, it's your will on earth through us. He said, exactly. He said, so what did I ask you to do? I said, you said, come alive Atlanta. He said, exactly. What is my will to do come alive in Atlanta? He said, so that is establishing the kingdom of God. Actually, if I said to do this and you were in that room, you would then be establishing the kingdom of darkness. And I, it hit me kind of tough because we don't always think that the alternative to what God said do is, is, is going with Satan's plan. <laughs> and not at all saying that that room was Satan. But when it is opposite of what God said do, it is rebellion, which the Bible says is actually witchcraft. So to not do what the Lord said do is equivalent to a witch casting a spell. Because I know we've been conditioned to think that it's either follow God or grace. I know I didn't do what the Lord says, but grace covers it. There's also a scripture that says because grace abounds, should you continue in sin? It says, God forbid. Because a person who would just continue in sin because grace abounds, do they really believe in God? Do they really love God? Because the Bible also says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So, yeah. So the Lord had got on me about that. And then, it, you know, when you think the Lord hems you up, you think it ends there, but it didn't. I felt like that entire weekend, God started to just ask me, can I have that? And can I have that? Because for us, sometimes it is really easy to make the big grand gesture of following God. And I'll even speak for myself and quitting my job and saying, all right, God, I'm going to follow you. When really the enemy is winning the war in the little things, in the little decisions, in the don't go there, in the don't follow them, in the stay at home, in the sit here and pray in the turn off the Netflix and go read your word. Like the enemy is winning in those little battles because when God says do those things and we don't <laughs> witchcraft, I am either a son of God or an enemy of God. And that is decided based off my decision, whether or not I choose to follow him. And so in that moment, when God says, can I have that? And I said, no, that was my heart's response. I literally was saying, God, I want this thing more than you. Even though I will say out loud, I follow God. But when it comes down to it and when it really will cost you the thing that you love the most, would you really follow God? And it made me think about this story of the rich young ruler 
who rose up on Jesus, by the way. Jesus did not come to him. He came to Jesus. And he's like, hey, what do I got to do to get eternal life? And first of all, he was clearly clueless because there isn't anything you do to receive eternal life. It's a gift. And the fact that he thought he could do something to earn it already showed the posture of his heart was a little bit off. And so Jesus is telling him, you lie. He's like, you know, follow the commandments. Don't kill. Don't steal. You know, all of these things. He said, oh, that's it? I've been doing that. <laughs> I got this in the back. <laughs> one version of the story, Jesus tells him, yeah, but you lack one thing. One thing is missing. He says, take all of your possessions, sell them, and give your money away to the poor. And once you do this, come and follow me. The Bible tells us that the rich young ruler turns away and he is grieved. Some versions say sad, but that word is translated into grieved. We see that same word when Jesus is in the garden saying, Lord, if this cup could pass from me right now would be the time. And it says Jesus was grieved. Now, Jesus wasn't grieved because he had to die. Jesus was grieved because for the first time in his life, he would be separated from his father because he chose to take on our sin. And as I'm looking at these two stories, <laughs> I am smacked with the fact that the same posture of heart and devastation that Jesus has in separating from the father is the same posture and devastation that the rich young ruler had with separating from his wealth because he had found his identity in that. We're not even saying he gave it up and he was grieved. The thought of having to separate from his heart's <laughs> passions, like the thing he loved the most grieved him to the same level it grieved Jesus to separate from the father. And that put life in perspective for me. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but it really did because how many things have I chosen to hold on to that in my mind I have given them the same weight that God holds in my life? How many things have I said I've held on to, whether I said I let them go or not? How many things have I put in his place? And I want to shed light on this for you. Anything that you cannot walk away from is your God. If you cannot separate from it, you are serving it. And I know you think it's okay that you can't take 24 hours off of Instagram. But if you can't do 24 hours off of Instagram... I want to let you know it's an idol. And we still serve a jealous God. <laughs> and he's not okay with that. He's not okay that you are scrolling more than you are praying. Because I, I, I would have to say that whatever you spend most of your time with, that is what's controlling your life. So when you make a decision, it's not coming from the place of the word. It's coming from whatever's feeding you. We live at the level of our revelation. So if your revelation is not coming from the Bible, but it's coming from culture, that's the level in which you live. So that's why when God asks you to take a step of faith, you can't do that because your, <laughs> your foundation is rooted in something that is not even real. Because most of the things that we're allowing to feed us are not even real. It's not even a reality. 
but we will sacrifice a moment with the real God for a moment of imagination <laughs> at this point. And I'm only I'm only saying this because I recognize that because I was feeding myself with what was happening it created a discontentment with an area of my life I'm actually content in I am okay with following God and not being in certain spaces but I had in the entire week fed myself that I should be there based off what I was seeing and it caused me to not focus on what I should have been focused on I should have been reading my Bible and preparing for come alive but instead I allowed the enemy to distract me with a mirage of what I thought I should be partaking in. And so I'm using that as an example, but let's talk. I feel like in this moment, God is saying, can I have that? Whatever that is, he's asking for it. That could also be the unforgiveness that you holding in your heart that you've now built your life out of. So you don't fool with people, no new friends. We don't do that over here because somebody hurt you five years ago. He's saying, can I have that? That relationship that you know you have no business in, but you found security in it. He's saying, can I have that? The story of the rich young ruler is not God asking that man for his money. He's after his heart. That's why he was grieved. Because Jesus is trying to say, hey man, you don't have money. Money has you. And Jesus would have given it back. And it would have been so much better because it would have been attached to a purpose. He just had the very fact that that man showed up and asked Jesus a question about what he could do to get something else proves he was unsatisfied. He literally had everything he could ever dream of. And he still pulled up and said, Hey, what I got to do to get this? He was after something else. We fill so much of our lives with voids that leave us unsatisfied. That's why you keep going back to that thing. Cause it isn't fulfilling that. And I want to let you know, there are some holes in your life that only Jesus can fill. And he's asking for whatever that thing is that you've been replacing me with. Can I have that so I can have my spot back and give you what you really need? My favorite story in the Bible is when Jesus pulls up on the woman at the well. And he literally reads her life to filth. Okay. I mean, Jesus, talk about a read. Jesus was a reader. Okay. He would read the people. All right. But before he, you know, tells her about her life, he offers himself. He says, if you really knew who I was, you'd ask me to give you a drink and you would never thirst again. Because the reality is her life and it was reflecting her void of Jesus. The fact that she kept going into different relationship after different relationship, it wasn't yielding her what she was needing. We all need Jesus. Most of us just have not come into the realization of that. So the thing that you're chasing is really only found in Jesus. And in the moment, I realized that what I was telling God he couldn't have, that thing would never satisfy me. But saying yes to Jesus would. And I ain't never gave up nothing for Jesus, and he ain't, he ain't do better. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> come on, it's Jesus. He actually knows what you need. I'm usually making decisions off of what I want. He gonna give me my needs and my wants, and I'm gonna have some left over. It's like, why wouldn't you give up everything for a God who can give you anything? I just, I want to challenge you with that today. I'm just simply on behalf of Jesus asking you, can he have that? 
whatever it is that you're holding on to. I mean, and you, some of us got a tight grip, like both hands, like we are holding on to the monkey bars because we don't want to fall and break our leg. And now I'm asking you, just let it go. Release it. I feel that, too, for somebody who's struggling to forgive. Forgiveness is for you. It actually has nothing to do with the other person. It's Unforgiveness is literally like chewing glass, hoping that it cuts the other person. That don't make sense, right? Because if you chew glass, it's going to slice your lips and your mouth up. And that person ain't going to feel a thing. That is what holding unforgiveness is like. You, you're holding on to something, trying to hurt another person, and it's only hurting you. Let them go. Release that. And you will know you have forgiven someone when you can not only pray for them, but you can pray a blessing over them. Because we, we know how to say prayers in unforgiveness. Get them, Lord. Strike them down. Do what they did to me. Like, that's not, that's, that, you need to let that go. <laughs> that's witchcraft. It's, putting curses and stuff on people. But when you can genuinely say, man, God, I pray that their life is well. I pray that you would bless them. And something that helped me forgive people is recognizing that nobody would hurt me from a place of wholeness. It is the broken areas in their lives that they're living out of that caused me hurt. Then that allows me to step outside of the situation and provide empathy even to someone that hurt me because there is someone that you have hurt. And you want that same thing. And think about the fact that we hurt Jesus every day. And he already died for us. Knowing we would do that. We serve a God who could be beaten to a pulp. And would look over and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He wasn't just talking about that person that was in that moment. He was also talking about us. Because when we choose to put something else in his place, the place that he died to occupy, he still says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because sometimes we make decisions and we put things and people and positions and ambitions and unforgiveness and our hurt and our pain and our anger in the place that God should be in. The only thing we should ever serve is him. So I want to ask you one more time, can he have that? Whatever that is, I want to challenge you to release it to him. I promise you there is a better on the other side of it. This is Life in Perspective. I hope that something I said today hits your heart, and I pray that God would give you the courage and the ability to release everything that's been holding his position in your heart. I pray that you release it in this moment. Hey, tap in go ahead hit that subscribe button follow me hey you don't want to miss something you don't want to miss anything nothing at all you don't want to miss a thing so subscribe and we'll be right back here next week